0: Welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life, the U.S. Chess Federation's podcast that goes behind the scenes and more in-depth about each month's Chess Life magazine cover story. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess podcasts, which includes One Move at a Time on the second Tuesday of each month, where Dan Lucas talks to people who are advancing our mission statement, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, hosted by our women's program director Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our assistant director of national events, Pete Cargianis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Today's guest on Cover Stories is the photographer who shot our July cover photo on the 2022 National High School Championship, which was held in Memphis in April. Caroline King, the sister of our previous guest, Alex King, who was the author of our cover story on the high school, well, she was on site in Memphis taking some of the best photos of a U.S. chess event that I have seen in my time with the organization. Now, to my knowledge, this is the, uh, this issue Uh, This July issue was the first time that a brother and sister were the author and photographer for the cover story. So when I interviewed Alex, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the high school, about the event, and we also talked about Caroline's photography. But it felt pretty brotastic to be talking about Caroline and not speaking (laughs) to her. So this is my attempt to fix that faux pas. I appreciate it. (laughs) Caroline King, welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life. Um, Thank you. you you're you the first photographer to appear on this series, at least in my time hosting. And I'm told that this was also your first cover photo. Is that
1: correct? This was my first cover photo. And this was my first chess tournament, actually. Even though I grew up with, I know your face is exactly the face that everyone else has been <laughs> giving you. And I say that, which is... Yeah, I I grew up with this like uh chess obsessed sibling and uh that was like, you know, such a big part of his life and yet this was my first time stepping foot in a chess tournament.
0: So, I mean, it, it was never the sort of thing where like you were forced to like come <laughs> along and you just sat outside like doodling or
1: No, I, somehow that never was forced upon me. I mean, I I think Alex tried to teach me how to play chess when I was a kid and you know, succeeded as far as like teaching me how the pieces move uh, and how the game basically works. But, you know, Alex became like freakishly amazing at chess at a really young age. And there's no better way to make your sibling hostile to something than to become really good at it as a kid. So, he kind of tried and you know you know we were like 8 years old and he was like let's play now where you have all your pieces and i just have a king and queen and then he would beat me in like 3 seconds and i was like you know this isn't fun
0: not, i don't want to do this i i do not blame you um <laughs> yeah i'm 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 trying to teach my daughter right now and we're we're kind of yeah. going through the same thing she's like yeah, I, I, this is your life dad i don't i don't want yes. really, to yeah um so tell me about i mean it, it's very rare that i get to speak to someone who is like coming at the chess world with fresh eyes. Yeah. so tell me about your experience and, and your thoughts just walking in, camera in hand, all access. yeah um, what 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 did you learn about our, our world and, and and what surprised and/ or horrified you?
1: <laughs> so I, I think one thing that struck me, especially given that the the players were all kids, was the unbelievably impressive um seriousness and concentration of the event it's um it's pretty amazing to see like a 7 year old sit at a table and engage in something so seriously and with such concentration um and you know some of it felt like incredibly, um, sort of studious and, and almost meditative. And then in other parts of the tournament, like the blitz rounds and everything, it was like any other sporting event. Like it was so fast paced. There was, you know, really fun conflict to witness. It was like being at a sporting event. Yeah. It's, um, you, 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 you did really, I mean, as I said,
0: this is the first time we've had a photographer on the show and, you know, we we work with a lot of photographers um because you know we have events all over the country.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and I know this is not your normal sort of photographic gig, and we'll get to that in a second, but right. um you did such an amazing job capturing um capturing the energy and and capturing these key moments. I mean, if, if anyone has not looked at our July issue yet, uh, we we used a lot of photos for this because you you just, you know, from the blitz to the bug house. You 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 caught these moments that um that really told the story in, in ways that words can't always do that
1: and and we appreciate that.
0: So thank um, you. That's like,
1: very that's very lovely to hear. Um yeah, I almost I almost think that um uh not being a part of the chess world sometimes can, can aid in doing that. Like all I know is uh, the people that are sitting in front of me and like what the human moments that are happening are. And um, so that's all I, all I really knew to focus on. And I think that ends up conveying something different than somebody who is inside the chess world would.
0: No, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I think this is going to go longer than than we originally said. Okay. I said, I said this would going to be <laughs> 10, 15
1: minutes, but I, I want to talk to you now.
0: <laughs> totally. Um, so one of the difficulties I know we've had um over the past 2 years is is how to photograph people with masks and and how yeah. to you know when when part of the visage is is not right apparently how do you but but somehow you did it and and what what are the challenges in in you know photographing in that situation and and how do you how do you deal with it
1: Right um yeah that is a challenge for sure um you don't you you miss a huge amount of facial expression but there's also so much conveyed in body language I'm 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 I have always been really fascinated by the way people use their bodies and body language and I think it's pretty funny how, how potent that is in a chess tournament. Cause it's all these kids who are like hunched over they're you know, holding their heads like they're, you know, in the battle of their lives. And um, so I think a lot of it comes through with that. And, and, you know, there's also, even though chess is like a stagnant activity, um, there is a lot of physicality to it in the way that people are holding their emotions and their concentration in their bodies and the way they're interacting with each other, you know, especially in the faster rounds, in the blitz rounds and everything, there's, there's a lot of physical action actually. Um, so, you know, you just focus on whatever physicality is there and there's, you know, you can, you can capture some amount of, um, emotion and facial expression, even with masks, you know, there's a lot of furrowed brows and a lot of, uh, (laughs) it was pretty funny. A lot of the kids had like funny outfits on, you know, they're like kids with hoodies and sunglasses on with their masks. And so there's a lot of personality to be captured, even when there's masks.
0: Did you did you look at any uh, chess photographers, for lack of a better
1: word, before you did this, or did you just because there are a few? Um, Yeah, no, I didn't actually. I mean, I really approached the tournament like I would approach uh, like any other event, or even like a wedding. Like the way that I go into big events like this is just to. Go in and and try to have a kind of documentary approach to it. So just sort of study what's going on, study the the people in the room, and just try to document that as well as possible.
0: Now, uh, chess photography, quite obviously, is not your day job, um, right? Because there's there's maybe one person in the world who who can make well, the, aside from the people at the St. Louis Chess Club who they have staff sure. photographers, but yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> So, so tell us about your photography work today. So what what kind of work do you do? What do you
1: focus on? Uh, and your website, by the way? Yes, my website is carolinekingphotography.com. Um, I also have uh, quite a lot of my work on Instagram as well. It's just carolinekingphotography on Instagram. And you're, you're um, based in New York, correct? I am based in New York. That's okay. right. Um, I moved to New York last year, but I've been working in New York for several years now. Um, yeah, so so I do a lot of different kinds of photography. Um my my sort of main domains in photography sorry there's a lot of loud traffic outside um, my main domains in photography are um boudoir photography and kind of intimate portraiture um weddings headshots those are kind of my main things um i i basically photograph uh all manner of uh sort of adult people in various portrait contexts um, but boudoir photography became my main focus when i started my photography business um and yeah i do a lot of sort of Small intimate weddings and and various forms of portraiture.
0: Now I, I have to say, when we, you know, when I when I found out that you were going to be the photographer, of course, I yeah. started googling and looking. Uh, <laughs> and I, I the work you do is absolutely beautiful, um, and I appreciate it because um, you are treating a lot of different types of bodies. Yeah. Um, in in a, I mean, I I can't even say how beautiful some of these photos are. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I, I know you um, you had a previous career, like me, so to speak, yes. in academia in philosophy. Yes. Um, how a recovering did academic? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, with the market being the one, you know, I mean, there's probably oh more of a market for chess photography than there is for
1: yeah, no kidding. Yeah, um,
0: so you, but you were a philosopher, yes. and and I'm wondering how your academic work. Um, may have influenced your artistic work.
1: Is is there a relationship between the two? I think there probably is a relationship and it might be a more implicit one um, than explicit. Um, so, you know, philosophy is uh, a way of sort of studying the world and thinking critically about the world. And um, i think in an implicit way that has made me a more thoughtful photographer and and a more reflective one um but i at the same time uh one the way that i usually respond to this question is like maybe you're going to be disappointed in this answer but my favorite thing about it is that it's not really related to philosophy for me like when i started my photography career and became um you know started this career where i was investing in being an artist essentially uh it felt like this really nice uh Um, sort of reprieve from some of the things that I had felt stifled in, in academia. And even though academia has shaped me in really substantial ways, and I don't, I'll I'll never be able to see the world not through the eyes of somebody who studied philosophy. um, I also really love that photography feels um, kind of uh, like a 180 from that. It feels really uh, visceral and, and sort of sensual and aesthetic. And it, it felt like the antidote to being trapped in my brain in the way that I felt when I was in academia.
0: I definitely understand that.
1: <laughs> I'm sure
0: you can relate. I, I, I think our training was a little, cause I mean, I was, um, and we're going to do some inside baseball here. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm a continentalist, so, oh, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, my, my entire world is lived experience and, sure. um, but even then, I mean, to go to chess is just like, it's, it's a little <laughs> different. Um, I'm curious, you come from a really, like, a family of artists. I mean, yes. um, your brother trained in music. Yes. Um, your parents are, are musicians, and
1: they're, like, pretty serious musicians, right? Yeah, lifelong, self-employed musicians, both of them. Um, yeah, Alex and I both really had a really clear example of how to make a life as an artist. How does that,
0: you know, we were talking a little bit off camera earlier about, the sort of decision to pull the plug on academia and go into something different. And, and I'm wondering how important having that model was for you. And and the reason I ask this is, you know, when I started the transition to doing chess work um, Mm. and part of the difference is that, you know, know, your brother, like you said, is, is a very good chess player. Yeah. Um, Compared to normal people. I'm great compared to him. I'm an idiot. (laughs) Uh, So it's, it's, for me, it was a little fraught because, you know, I mean, I, I don't have the legitimacy that someone like he does, and and mm-hmm. and that imposter syndrome that I felt all through my graduate career. Oh, yeah, man. it got real, real quick. Um, but but there was a moment when I realized that this alternative path was was actually acceptable to people.
1: Yeah. And, yes. and,
0: and I'm wondering how that played out for you. I mean, did it? Do you think it made a difference that you had these people that you could look at and say? well, they did it. I can do it too.
1: Absolutely. Yes. So that 100%, my parents having set that example as not only people who have pursued art for a living, but people who have pursued being self-employed for a living. Those are two really, um, uh, really interesting experiences and something that it's really not for the faint of heart, either of them. But, um, yes, absolutely. I mean, when I, when I quit academia, um, I think, first of all, I had been, it took me such a long time to leave the PhD because uh, it's just such a sort of drawn out divorce that happens when you leave academia. And so it definitely was not like uh, an impulsive decision. So my parents knew for a long time that I'd been very unhappy in academia and they had seen me build this photography career and become you know, infinitely more excited about it and invested in it than I had ever been in academia. So first and foremost, that's what they cared about. Um, But yes, I mean, having, having an example of, um, of artist parents and parents who are, who are carving out their own path as self-employed artists was really instrumental um, in just sort of, demonstrating, uh, both in a, in a, in a sort of like inspirational way, like you can follow your dreams and do this thing that is your passion and make a career out of it. And also in a really pragmatic way of like, okay, you're going to be self-employed now. Here's how you pay your taxes. Here's how you find health insurance. Here's how, you know, you have to structure your marketing. Like all of it was very, um, useful to have in a really near example to me. Um, but I also just really felt like, uh, it was this, um, it was just this sort of like supportive example of, look, you followed this one path for a while in academia and you pictured your future this way, and then suddenly, uh, your life started to look really different. And um having somebody tell you it's okay to make a big change in your life and to leave a world that you had invested in and and hadn't previously really been able to imagine outside of uh, was extremely instrumental in my in my confidence in making that choice.
0: Yeah, I, I I sincerely hope that everyone who uh, escapes yeah. <laughs> has has that moment when yes. when someone sort of points them in the right direction and says, it's "Yeah, a, it's okay, you can do this."
1: Yes, um, and it's really hard when you leave academia, as you know, because part of part of the psychology of being in academia is that it's quite insular. So you right. forget that it's you forget there are other lives outside of it. Um, everything is sort of structured in this way to make you keep investing inside of it so when you step outside and you're like oh my god there's so much more outside here yeah. it's kind of a revelation
0: and and the sad thing is there are still times i miss it I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's I mean, like the you know like the the sort of uh, stockholm syndrome or something but
1: yeah
0: um i mean it's, it's a lovely world and and certainly any of my academic friends who may for some reason be listening to this yeah. um you know I, I i love that world uh it yes just, it didn't work out for me and that's okay yeah.
1: Same, same here. Yeah. There's so much that I loved about it and so much that I missed. And when I left, it wasn't because I was hostile to it. It was just like, you know, I think this isn't, this isn't where I see my future. I would like to try something else. Yeah. Um,
0: Caroline, I, you know, I, originally when we talked, I, I think I, we said we were going to be short, but, but I do, um, I've enjoyed this and I do want to uh, put you through the ringer. Yes. Um, let's do it. So uh, everyone who I have on this podcast, um, I ask them a series of questions based Originally, on what I saw many, many years ago on Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton, James Lipton would often ask, well, he wouldn't often, he would always ask the guests a series of questions. Yep. Um, and those questions were inspired by the work of Bernard Pivot uh, in France, who, who himself had, uh, as it turns out, based his questions on these long series of, 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 of queries by Marcel Proust. Mm. So there's a lineage there, and I was I always appreciate saying that. Um, now I've I've taken Lipton's version and I've modified it a little bit to avoid some questions that that might not work for a uh, family friendly whatever that means yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, but um, Caroline King, um, I'd like to ask you now my version of James Lipton's questionnaire. So okay, ten questions. Uh, don't be nervous. Just uh, okay. there's no no pain. I promise. All right. um, just riff. all right Let's do it. Caroline King. What is your favorite word? Oh,
1: oh, my favorite word is megalomaniacal. I think it just rolls off the tongue in the most beautiful way. <laughs> the what? cadence of it is beautiful. Megalomaniacal. That's the one. You're
0: impressing me. Cause I like in my <laughs> head, I'm always going for the crass words, but this, like this was a, <laughs> I like those too, but this is a family family podcast. <laughs> podcast. I catch you. Um, What is
1: your least favorite word Mm, crusty yeah
0: it's just like you it's not yeah it's you what is your dream of happiness
1: oh my dream of happiness my dream of happiness is being able to make art um to live near my dearest friends my dream is actually to have like a big giant house in the country like where all of my friends just live together like a continuation of college, but like in a field somewhere slash maybe a commune. We'll see.
0: Well, we'll check in with you in a couple of years. Yeah. TBD. Um, towards what faults do you feel the most indulgent?
1: Ooh. Um, towards what faults do I feel the most? That's a great question. Uh, I think like sloth, <laughs> I think, uh, m- my, uh, my coping mechanism for when I'm feeling anxious or sad or angry or anything bad is to just become a total slug, um, to, you know, lie on my bed and watch 12 hours of Netflix. So mm. Wait, definitely- any, any recommendations? Oh man, okay. I'm currently watching the Bear. It's not on Netflix. The Bear it, is it's sick. So good. Oh my god, dude, it's so good. I still have two episodes, so don't ruin the end of it for no. me. but that's well, that is my well. When right the now. fire
0: comes and oh. the entire in Chicago all burns down, but only <gasps> the Bear lives. It's it's very it's it's, it's surprising. Awful. It's awful, but you know, I mean, twist season two is going to be weird because there's nobody sure. to sell things. To. Um, so the Bear. What else?
1: The Bear. Um, let's see. Uh, what am I watching right now? I have like a lot of it just kind of goes along with the sloth thing. Um, a lot of comfort rewatches that I go back to and just cycle through. So The Office Girls, Gilmore Girls, Schitt's Creek, those are all some like repeat watches for me. I did just finish another rewatch of Gilmore Girls, and I was like, Carolyn, you have to watch a new show. So that's no, <laughs> we, we, we're,
0: we're big Gilmore girls fans here in the sun. I'm waiting As till I'm be. waiting till my daughter is old enough that I can we can start. Yes. Um, it's it's a treasure. Uh, have you seen Bunheads? No, you should watch. Exactly. One. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a. It's got Sutton Foster, and B. Oh. It's all like it's very similar. So oh, I, I, I suspect you should. Yeah, that, put that on your list. It's it's only okay. one season. Perfect, but it's perfect. It's not a big commitment. Yes. Great. Um, Okay, now that we've just totally hijacked this thing. Sure. <laughs> uh, who would you like to see on a new banknote? I
1: like to see on a new banknote. Um. Uh, would I like to see on a new banknote? How about like Bell Hooks? She's nice. the bomb, and she recently passed, and she should be memorialized in that way. There you go. I like that. Although she's an anti-capitalist, so I don't know if that.
0: would <laughs> eh, The irony will <laughs> be not be lost. Still, it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. It's, the, these are details. These are very Yeah. Fair. yeah. Um, the next two questions are actually chess related. So I'm going to switch up a little bit. Normally okay. we ask about chess openings, like which ones oh you God. love and which ones you hate. And so I'm not yeah, going to subject you to that. that. Um, which photographer do you love? Ooh, which photographer? Or, or artist more generally.
1: Yeah. Actually there's a photographer who I have loved for a while, but I'm just like, revisiting his work a lot lately his name is Kalik Allah and he does a lot of like street photography that is really really amazing um his subject matter he typically tends to be like unhoused people but he has these like incredibly visceral like close-up invasive is the wrong word but like um unflinching portraits of unhoused people yeah Kalik Allah k-h-a-l-i-k a-L-L-A-H. He's amazing.
0: All right. Get to it, people. Um, which artist or photographer, more specifically, uh, who, who, whose work do you hate? Oh,
1: my God. Oh, no. Um,
0: if, if this is not really a fair question, because I'm... No, so- it's
1: Okay. I instead of naming names, I'm going to name a genre, which is like celebrity photography, mm. <laughs> like people who make their whole uh, career photographing celebrities. That feels fatiguing to me and and sort of um, cheesy. I'm sort of um, I'm, I'm just like deeply allergic to celebrities and the whole celebrity thing. So I think that genre is the one I would pick out. Spoken
0: like a true New Yorker.
1: Yes, yeah, I guess. Um. <laughs> like one kind of New Yorker. <laughs> What
0: profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Mm -hmm. I always felt like um, being like a a professional code breaker would be fun. Like a beautiful mind style, except Mm -hmm. less stressful than that. Like uh, I always have, this is like kind of my one adjacent like chess adjacent kind of um inclination which is like I love puzzles and I always loved like logic puzzles and math and stuff like that and Alex and I share that uh, so yeah being uh being like a professional code cracker would be a blast
0: there you go um what what profession would you not like to attempt
1: um not like to attempt Being like a professional marketing person, like someone whose whole job is to like be on social media all the time and learn what the new Instagram algorithms are asking you Wait to do. Minute, like, if, like
0: every one of us
1: now? Yeah, Like all of us have to, I hate it. It's my least favorite part of my job. It's it,
0: yeah. It's it, this so is, doing
1: that full time would be my worst nightmare. <laughs>
0: yeah. We, we get each other. Um, last question. Caroline King. If heaven exists. What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Oh my God. Welcome to the buffet of unlimited dumplings. (sighs) That sounds like heaven to me. That's literally all I've ever wanted. It's just like just dumplings.
0: So now everyone knows how to make you happy. That's fantastic.
1: Plate of dumplings. You have won my heart.
0: (laughs) Caroline King, this has really been a delight and <laughs> uh, i am i'm so glad to get to meet you after having seen your work um, and it's again it's anyone who is in the new york area uh, or, or who is willing to pay for travel yes. um, i mean i'm not ruling it out yeah uh, go to carolinekingphotography.com check out the samples uh, i don't think you're going to be disappointed thank
1: you so much for having me thank you
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of Cover Stories with Chess Life. Our podcast will return next month on the first Tuesday when we will again be making a deep dive into the pages of Chess Life magazine. US Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose educational mission is to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. To become a member, go to uschess.org and click on the join button where you can find a membership option that is right for you. As a member, you enjoy rated play, print and digital copies of Chess Life or Chess Life Kids, and you help US Chess grow the game. If you're already a member, consider clicking on the donate button at uschess.org. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Thank you, and good chess.